Welcome, executives, to the Sports Film Pitch, part of the Sports History Network, where Hollywood's next sports movies start. We're going to give you a true sports story, and you tell us whether we should make that movie into the next great blockbuster. Today, we have a diplomatic, spy, political, crazy kind of story that revolves around one game, one sport, table tennis, or ping pong, as more widely known as. And let's get into this great pitch. China, America, two countries with only one common ground, the game of ping pong, the game that will open the two countries up to communication with Ben Wolfhard and Simu Sports Film presents the pong around the world, coming this Thursday. Casting for the Pong Heard Around the World. We'll get into that name of the title of the movie. But for the casting, this is one where I think we can get it right on the nail, on the coffin. It's going to be a great cast. And it's going to be fun. So there's going to be two main characters that we follow. And then two supporting characters we'll give in. But you may not even need it because you can kind of picture these guys. They're big names. But I'm going to give you guys that have either played them or just kind of look like. And I think you're going to really enjoy the casting for this. So first one is Glenn Cowan. Now Glenn is just a hippie guy. Long black hair, skinny guy, loves ping pong, teenager, young guy. You know, Jewish descent from New York. And is a young ascending guy in ping pong for the U.S. Although that doesn't mean a whole lot in the world of ping pong because U.S. is only, at this time, 24th in the world in ping pong. So being pretty good in making the U.S. team in ping pong doesn't mean you're the greatest in the world, but it means you're competing. Who would play this guy? Well, let's think about a guy that's used to playing period pieces, going back in time a little bit, Skinny guy, black hair, big nose. Who fits that? Finn Wolfhard. Mike from Stranger Things. He also is Richie in the It movies. And in Ghostbuster Afterlife, he plays Trevor, one of the main characters in that. So this guy is like becoming a phenomenon. Like seriously. He's been in so many things just as a young kid. His filmography is actually pretty impressive for how young he is. And that's great for the movie to have that kind of start. Just we're going to put a side by side comparison on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Go check it out. He looks just like Glenn Cowan. I saw Glenn Cowan and I was like, well, we got to cast Flynn. Who else would fit this? He looks like him. Finn is also has Jewish descent, just like Glenn did. And they're both skinny, can play that hippie type. I know he's used to playing characters. Finn is play- used to playing characters in the 80s, but he can also play characters, you know, a little older. Understands like 
it's a different era and how to act differently in that different area. And I think he can pull this off fantastically. So that is one of the main characters. The second main character, and we're going to cast Zemo Leo in this role. And a lot of you superhero fans might recognize that name. He is one of the newer superheroes in the MCU. He plays Sean or Shang-Chi in Shang-Chi, The Legend of the Ten Rings. But you may have also seen him in Kim's Confidential, a little series that ran for a little bit. And has also been on Netflix. Also made guest appearances Nora from Queens, Fresh Off the Boat, and was had a role on the Taken TV show, which meant he had a particular set of skills. But he is an up-and-coming actor. He was actually cast, surprisingly, in the Marvel Universe. Kind of a little lesser known, but has comedy and can play the nice guy. You really see that nice guy come out. And Zedong, sorry if I butcher these Chinese names. I'm not Chinese. Middle-aged white guy. What am I going to do? He is from Chinese descent. So that fits that he's playing a Chinese ping-pong player. And is one of the best in the world. Is kind of known as, at this time, the leader of the Chinese team. And because of this, he needs to be able to have that charismatic quality that you can see in this character to be able to lead. Because he is actually the character that really pushes this story to have predominance. If he, if his actions were different, this story would not have happened. So that, that's very important for this role. And now we get to the two major political figures that we're going to cast in this movie. The first one is old Tricky Dick, Richard Nixon. Now, what I went for this one was a little bit different. I was looking at actors that have actually played Richard Nixon in movies, which has happened actually quite a bit. There have been many well-known actors. There have been movies such as Frost, Frost Nixon. This was when Nixon was actually president. So he's a little bit younger in his middle age. And so I was thinking, what actor could really fit this that has actually played him before? And the actor that I came across was John Cusack. Say anything, John Cusack. Because in your eyes, I feel complete. Your eyes, I feel your eyes. I am complete. Yes. The say anything, John Cusack, of course, has been in and so many other movies. Way too many to name. Kind of just a big deal, such as, you know, 2012, Serendipity, High Fidelity, Hot Tub Time Machine. Any guy that's been in Hot Tub Time Machine, you know, is a good actor. Right? No, he plays Richard Nixon in Lee Daniels the Butler. So he's just a small cameo role, not a major role, but I think. And this would be nice. And he's going to have a, again, not a lead character role, but he's going to have a persuasive role in this movie. And I think that's important as well. So I think he fits that. He can do the voice. I think it'd be kind of fun to do. Now for, for Mao Zedong, the leader of China, who would we get to play? And the actor I think really fits how Mao Zedong looked at the time. Kind of a bigger, fluffier guy. Well, why don't we get Wong from the MCU? Yes, we're calling from the MCU again. Let's get Wong. 
the character that's in all the Doctor Strange movies and makes appearances in many other movies as well throughout the MCU, including most recently the She-Hulk series on Disney+. And he can play funny, he can play enjoyable, but he's got the look of Mao Zedong. And I think we can create recreate that famous picture that Nixon and Mao Zedong have with these two actors. Nixon and Mao Zedong are going to be a little bit more out there. They're not the main focal point, but they're going to influence the main focal point. And let's get into the movie that's going to be a very different sports movie. So we're going to open the movie with some kind of music montage type of thing showing the differences of the two countries at the time. This is the early 70s when this is going to take place. Cold War, communism is going on, the growth of communism, the worry of communism in America. All this is going on and we're going to intercut it with ping pong. And the reason why is communism has a very unique connection to ping pong it is kind of an odd connection the two largest communist countries at the time soviet union russia and china were very big into ping pong and this can be taken a few different ways one it's just a very easy sport to maintain and conduct in small locations and it's just really easy to kind of enjoy as a novice player or a professional world competitor. So there's a lot of connection to both Russia and China to ping pong. America, we're a democracy, have always been a democracy. We don't have as much connection to ping pong in that way, but we are able to, you know, enjoy sports. We are a sports focused country, especially, you know, by the time we get to the 70s, we're very focused in the world sports and competing around the world in different sports all over the place and in this montage we're going to mention that it's been almost 20 years since china and the united states have had really any diplomatic communications or connections of any kind there's not a whole lot of relations not a lot of economic relations diplomatic relations it's bad blood you know due to them becoming a communist regime and America being very anti-communist at this time. This time it is the Cold War, where we're very worried about Russia, China, all those countries being communist, as well as having nuclear capabilities. And so it's a very scary time in the world. And we're a little bit at odds too. Um, ever since the Korean War, which pit North and South Korea against each other in a civil war, China obviously backed the North and we backed the South. And so really that kind of split our two sides and we haven't really gained a connection back. But that brings us to flash across screen, the 31st World Table Tennis Champion in Nagoya, Japan. Held every year, neutral site. Any team is able to join just like the Olympics, whether no matter your diplomatic structure, your government structure, you're able to play in these tournaments for the world to compete against each other. At the time, China, one of the best table tennis countries in the world, and America, top 25, we're, we're getting better. We're not, we're not number one, we're not really challenging for medals, but we're participating, and we're obviously not the worst in the field as well. 
And be advised, this movie is not really going to be hugely involved into the table tennis matchups of it. We're going to show table tennis happening. We're going to show China, you know, dominating this this tournament, of course, and America, you know, participating. And what really happens is, you know, they're about to have a practice. We're getting ready for the actual championships, the actual events. And we have Glenn Cowan, you know, Finn Wolfhard's character. He misses the bus to go to practice in a different country. And he's kind of a hippie-like guy, just goes with the flow. So he just hops onto the next bus. He can, And that next bus is going to be populated with the China table tennis team. And it's a kind of an awkward moment for both sides a little bit glenn being a little bit more hippie go with the flow type of guy he doesn't really care and he doesn't know other than their uniforms that they're from china and he just he just knows that they're a great table tennis team he doesn't think about the implications of structure or you know we're not liking them in a political view he looks at them hey those are other table tennis players and they're great table tennis players and China, the China team is looking at him like, why is he doing this? Is like him crossing the border or him coming more of a combative thing because they look at Americans as being very anti-China. And he's so much not anti-China. He doesn't even really care. He's just trying to get a bus to practice. So while on the bus, the Chinese team notice that Glenn is a ping pong player. Probably from the ping pong paddle he has with him. I don't know any other way you can see a ping pong player. So Zedong, who's Simlu, is playing, makes contact. Starts talking to him. Asking about how he's doing, how the tournament's going, how excited he is for everything coming up, how's practice. It talks about ping pong. Because what else is there that you need? It's ping pong. And they, they talk on this bus ride until they get to the venue for practice. And before they leave, Zedong actually gives Glenn a picture or a silk screen portrait, actually is what it is, of a mountain range in China. And he shakes his hand. And Glenn actually responds like wanting to give him something back in return. And he looks and all he has is a bag of combs. It's like, I can't just give him a bag of combs and tells him that I can't give you this but wait I want to give you something just wait a little bit next time I see you I'll give you something and actually when he got off the bus there was like paparazzi from China in there because China ping pong is huge and they actually have not been playing in this tournament for six years and so they were back and they were huge and it's like why is this American on this bus and it gets paparazzi it gets in the news it gets everyone talking in America and China. And we cut to the two leaders, Maldon and Tricky Dick Nixon, getting news of the ping pong teams conversing and having conversations. And they see this as an opportunity, each of them, to connect with the other country. These two countries follow each other. They know their powers in the world and they want to still connect, but they don't know how. It's like they're stubborn and they want the other one to fall down. They want the other one to make the first move. <laughs> they're basically teenagers. That's what's going on. And so the next day at the facility for the tournament, Glenn comes back and meets, finds Zedong 
and presents him with a gift in return for the portrait he gave him. And it's a, it's a t-shirt that's red, white, and blue, of course, with the peace emblem flag and the words, let it be lyrics from the song by the Beatles. It's a very American shirt. China doesn't have hippies. China doesn't wear red, white, and blue. China, I don't even know if they know who the Beatles are. But he presents them. This is a huge deal again. And it comes to the leaders. And they're like, we got to do something about this. And even the journalists are asking like questions. Mr. Cohen, Mr. Glenn, would you like to visit China? And of course he goes, well, I'd like to see any country I haven't been to before. Argentina, Australia, and China. Any country I haven't been seen, I want to go see. And they asked, like, well, what about China specifically? Of course, Glenn said. He has no qualms about going to China. He just wants to see the world. Using ping pong to see the world is just an amazing idea. And that's when China offered an opportunity for the U.S. table tennis team to come and visit China. Tour China, in fact. Go to multiple different locations and tour China right after the tournament. And they said yes. The team said yes because they just thought it was a great opportunity to see more of the world and play even more ping pong with their new friends and some of the best ping pong players in the world. But then you get a call. Glenn gets a call from Tricky Dick. Just like an interview. We want you to be a spy. Write down everything you can about China, what they're doing, what's going on, what's going on behind the scenes, we want to know. I don't know why he become a southern gentleman in this part. I can't help it. I don't do a tricky dick, but we do a southern gentleman. In China, Mao Zedong was like, we need to make sure we are watching them. We need to learn everything about them and their culture and everything they are. And it kind of puts these two friendly combatants Zedong and Glenn you know, against each other a little bit. It's not like they hate each other. They're they're not super close friends. They just met each other on the bus and everyone blew everything out of proportion, but they you know want to learn more about each other. And we can begin the montage here of them traveling throughout the country. They go to six different cities throughout China, meeting people, getting to know the communities doing ping pong presentations and every time Glenn's supposed to report back to the president he's like they're normal they're normal people yeah whatever it didn't help that they had a hippie guy <laughs> as their spy but they were he's saying they're just people they some people live in the country and live the country farm life some people live in the city live the city life it's all just like America, just a little different, a little different customs, different culture, but it is just like that. And Zedong is coming back to Mao, and I, I like to imagine these conversations like, man, he likes to wear hats, and he talks a lot about this thing called we, and we, we don't have that. I don't know what it is, but when he talks about we should probably get weed, just these things that all hippies do at this time. And I, I just imagined him coming back to him. And Mao's like, this is just useless information. And the U.S. team ends up meeting highly ranked officials. The prime minister type person. Their structure is a little different. 
but they end up meeting you know the second in command in china and if the u.s intelligence could want you know they're meeting high-ranked officials they're going around the whole country everything they could ever want but they have a hippie leading it and <laughs> he's not giving them any good information he's like yeah man he was tall I, he was a lot taller than i thought like, did he say anything about you know their policies or what they want want to do about this no no he was just a tall he said hi had a firm handshake just giving him absolutely no good information and that's what i imagine on both sides because these are kids these are kids playing a game just enjoying playing the game and you get big bad governments wanting to use them and they're not getting the use out of them and in the next year ping pong opening up allows mao and nixon to start communication the u.s to start opening up communication with each other and they actually lift the embargo against china the u.s does after this and nixon goes and actually famously meets with mao the first time two U u.s diplomats have actually conversated together in person and they organize a way for their two countries to start to work together for the common good and actually the next year china sends their team over to play in the u.s going all across the country playing in the white house playing in museums across the country going to schools all over the place to just spread the game of ping pong is what they're doing of course maybe they had their ulterior motives but i imagine they came in and zedong was doing the same thing as glenn he's like they're just like us some live in farms some live in big houses some live in the city and you know they they're people they're not these devilish people that were described to me as a kid mao gets nothing from them. <laughs> nothing from the, this recon mission that he was hoping and we just show that these two men get nothing from these kids that were playing ping pong but yet these kids become lifelong friends and we end up i like to imagine we end on glenn and zedong playing a game at the white house and they're playing this game and just imagine you know that freeze frame from rocky the end of rocky where they're hidden and it's just you're the best that's what i imagine would happen as to end the movie just kind of a simple not following ping pong as much ping pong is going to be featured in the montages as much but it's not about the ping pong it's about two governments trying to use this game and actually use it successful to break down barriers for communication and it's actually not the first time it's happened it's been used in korea and russia and everything because it's just a universal game that so many people can play and can be easily you know played against each other no matter the skill level no matter the clout you can play against somebody that's under you in rank or over you in rank and you're not going to have these issues of oh well i'm too good for you that's not how ping pong is and it was a great way to kind of open up the world to what ping pong and open up the world to you know peace at least a little bit thank you for listening to this pitch now executives it's your turn should we make this into a movie should we not what sports story do you think should be made into a movie let us all know at sports film pitch on twitter facebook instagram wherever you would like just let us know what you like 
We post stuff there all the time. Join the conversation. Join the love. We talk about sports movies, sports happenings going on right now, all the stuff around sports and the film industry. You can also message us at sportsfilmpitch at gmail.com if you have anything you want to talk about or if you just want to say, hey, Ethan, you're awesome. I would love that. We'll be back here in two weeks to give you another great sports film pitch.